Hi there, Pastor Austin Vondracek here. Thank you for joining us at Rosewood Church Online. My prayer for you is that this message will be used by God to bless, teach, and challenge you today. And whether you call Rosewood home and are catching up on a past message, or you're one of our many long-distance partners who tune in every week, would you consider giving back to support the ministries and missions of Rosewood Church? You can do so easily through our website, rosewoodchurch.org. And if you're listening and you're local to the West Michigan area, we would love to have you in person when the time is right for you. Again, I pray this blesses you and helps you grow in your love of Jesus Christ. Hey, well, good morning. It's good to have you all here today. Welcome to Rosewood Church. My name is Austin Vondracek. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, if this is your first Sunday, or whether you're here in person or you're online, special welcome to you. Uh, it is really great to have you here for the Advent season. In fact, I encourage you, uh, give us three Sundays at Rosewood. It's impossible to tell about a church in just one or two visits, so spend a little time with us and see if this is a place where you feel like you can grow in your faith no matter where your starting point is, whether you're a, a saint, uh, or at least you think you are, uh, or a skeptic. Uh, wherever you are, we, we hope that this is a place that you can, you can call home uh, and grow in your faith. And today is also the first Sunday in Advent, as you've seen, as you've, as you've heard. Uh, it's a special time of the, of the, of the Christian calendar where we, we remember uh, that Christ has come and we look ahead that Christ will come again. And, um, and it's a unique time of the year. Churches like ours do things that we don't always do the rest of the year. We don't always have Christmas trees up or wreaths or anything like that. It's, it's a unique time. Especially unique is the music, right? There's music in Christmas, during Christmas that it like only fits during Christmas. Not that the message only fits. If you listen, take away like all the Santa stuff and some of the fluffy ones. Um, the theology is fantastic in, in Christmas songs, but they're so associated with Christmas. It's kind of like if you play them in June, it's just weird. It's just kind of weird. But we lean into it. And we're doubling down on the Christmas music this year in our series, Sounds of the Season, where we're going to be looking at the classic, many of the classic Christmas songs and seeing how they tell the Christmas story and tell the gospel story. And the first uh, song that we are going to look at today was actually the first song that was ever played on the radio. Uh, it was a song, it, it was, it was um, performed with a violin and one, one voice. Uh, and um, this song, over time has become kind of like the, the soundtrack of the piano top nativity. Um, it's got this certain kind of quiet power uh, that, that goes along with it. Uh, and the song that is, um, the song that we're going to look at today is called O Holy Night. Perhaps you've heard of it. Uh, in O Holy Night, you could kind of, you could say possibly that this song, because of the way we associate it with the nativity and the Christmas story, and, and sometimes a lot of us, the way we think about Christmas kind of comes from this song, O Holy Night, right? When was Jesus born? Overnight. Do you know that? You don't know that. I don't know that. Maybe it was. Maybe it's not. Point is, O Holy Night, we kind of, we, we, we take some of our cues from music, and as we always have, and, and one of which is, is that. Also, I, I feel like if you were Mary or Joseph, this, like, you would not be like, O Holy Night, the sun. No, you'd go, <laughs> Merry Christmas, I cut my mic. 
just for that. No, because it was chaotic. It was nuts. It was not like a, a peaceful, easy time, was it? Not at all. It was chaotic, and the months leading up to it was chaotic, right? Because here's what we do know. We know that Mary, who was very likely just a te- basically a teenage girl or teenage woman, and um, here she was, pregnant and not married. Look, if you're a teenager and you're, you're pregnant now, you might get a few looks from people. It's just the reality. Back then, if you're a Jewish woman who's, who's pregnant and not married, talk about taboo, right? And then, of course, Joseph is with her. They're engaged, but she, he goes along with her, and, and they're put in this position where there's a census that's going to be taken, and so they have to go to uh, Joseph's hometown, and, and so I'm, I'm sure, I, this isn't in scripture, but I think it's, you know, it's in a gospel we haven't found yet. Uh, it, it talks about how, uh, in this other gospel, it talks about how actually um, Joseph knew about it, and Mary's like, you got to get a hotel, and he's like, I know, I know, right? Um, and then three months go by, and she keeps saying, you got to, no, and, and then finally they're on their way. He's like, oh, no, I forgot. I forgot. I'll find one when I get there. And then, of course, they don't. And so they spend the night in a cave with a bunch of animals. And that's the, the context in which Jesus was born. A king was born in a cave or a stable surrounded by animals. Simply not enough room at the inn even for the king of kings. And so... So as we, uh, as we go a little bit deeper into this, this song, um, this song has a phrase that we're going to hone in on, and we're going to do this every week. After this week, you'll kind of know the pattern of things. Um, there's a, a phrase uh, that we're going to hone in on that will help us uh, kind of be the jumping off point uh, for the message as we sp- explore the gospel uh, story even further through this song and through other songs. And, and, and here's the phrase that we're going to look at. It's a little bit of a longer one. It goes like this. A thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. I hope and I pray that whenever you sing this song for the rest of your life, when you get to this point, it will have some special meaning to you. That it's not just going to be this wooden song that you sing because you know it, but it's going to be a song that your heart sings because you know the larger story that it tells. Now, if there was one phrase, I think, in, in this that we're looking at that really kind of characterizes life for many of us, I think it's these two words, weary world, right? That kind of feels like how a lot of us live. One of the, um, one of the challenges that we have in, in, in our life, which is intrinsically, you know, just the challenge of being alive is that it is hard. Um, so many of us live in a perpetual state of weariness. And, and there is a lot to overwhelm any of us with. And, and, and no one's immune. It's every life stage. It's every age. We all have things on us, it pressures that, that drive our weariness. Um, th- there's, there's the weariness from anxiety, weary from worry, weary from the news, weary from politics and politicians. There's weary from just, you know, family drama. Your kids, they make you weary. Your parents, they, they make you weary, right? The expectations, expectations build up and make you weary. There's financial challenges and health challenges. There's just no shortage of things to make you feel weary. And now, of course, it's December, the time when we should be celebrating. But for many of us, it just kind of multiplies the weariness. You've got your lists and your things and your people and your gifts, and it's all just, for some of you, it feels like it's all on you. And here we are in the Christmas season, a time when uh, a time when a thrill of hope is supposed to be there, and yet we feel even more, even more weary. 
I just think a lot of us can relate to that, to that phrase. But the weary world is given a gift. It receives a, a thrill of hope that, that maybe, just maybe, there is a way where there seems like no way. Maybe there's something that we haven't found yet. Or maybe we did find it and we just didn't know what it meant. For centuries, the people who put their faith in God lived with a a thrill of hope that one day the Messiah would be born and and this Messiah would bring all the the wrongs to right and and he would would usher in this new way of living, a new new life together, Um, that through that Messiah, the weary world would rejoice because finally the day has come. In fact, the the prophet Jeremiah uh, was one who who certainly lived with weariness. He he wrote a book in in the Old Testament called Lamentations. We went through it recently here uh, at Rosewood. Uh, Lamentations, the root word being lament or, or to bring our pain and our sadness and our worry, to bring all of that to God in prayer. That's a, that's a lamenting prayer. Many of the Psalms are, are lamenting prayers. Laments are all through Scripture. And, and Jeremiah certainly had things to lament over. I mean, here, Jerusalem had been destroyed. What he understood as, as faith, what he understood as just normal, what he maybe even took for, for granted, like so many others, was, was gone. And in the midst of, of his pain and his heartbreak, he wrote Lamentations. And the first two chapters of Lamentations are just mourning. They're just flat out mourning. But then in chapter 3, he continues to mourn, but he has this hint of hope attached to it. And, and we're just going to read a section out of, out of Lamentations 3. Jeremiah says, I will remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Now he starts to talk to God instead of talking about himself. He says, great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. So as we begin Advent together, um, it's, a, it's a time to celebrate the coming of the Lord, that he has come in the past and he will come again. And so we are going to look at three truths um, that can bring a thrill of hope to a weary world. And the first one, if you're taking notes, the first one is that a thrill of hope brings exactly what you need. God will give you what you need when you need it. Now, of course, it's not always what we want. After all, sometimes when we look back, the things that we want aren't always what we want. I don't know about you, but I've given thanks to God that the thing I wanted that I didn't get, and then time goes on, I'm able to look back and like, thank you, God, for not giving me that thing I was asking for, uh, for, for not giving me what I want. No, he gives you uh, what you need, what you need each day. In fact, uh, verse 24, which we just read, he says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. So basically, when, when Jeremiah says this, he is preaching to himself. And you may have been, some of you have been in that position where you have to preach to yourself. You have to just step up and be the best pastor you can be and preach to it to an audience of one, right? You are, you're in a place where it's just like it, something happens, you, you receive information, and, and you are in a place where you're just like, 
I don't have scripture with me. I don't have Austin over my shoulder preaching to me. I don't have, I don't have the community believers around me. I don't even know what to pray, but in those moments, you got to step up and, and basically preach to yourself and preach the truth of God, and that's what he's doing. He says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I wait for him. And, and what he is doing is he is, is calling back what he knows and understands through the history of, of God's interaction with, with his people. So when, when Jeremiah talks about the Lord being his portion, he's referring centuries earlier to the Israelites' exodus from Egypt to the promised land. And during that time, uh, God sustained them on something called manna, right? So if you're not familiar with the story, uh, manna is this thing that just like every morning they woke up and it, it was there. And, and some think it was like a type of bread. Others think it's a type of bug. Uh, I, I think it was like, you know that marathon goo that you just eat? Like it's in a package. You know, one of those, and you just throw it away. I kind of think of it like that, because basically what it, what it is, is it's just like, it, it's just everything they need to keep them going one step after another. I wasn't there. I can't confirm it was marathon goo, but I'm just saying it kind of makes sense that it would have been. And so God gave them, gave them manna. It was a gift from God, and he always gave them enough. And this was the important part. It, was just, it wasn't just like giving them food so they could keep walking. It was, a, it was a lesson in and of itself, because every day they received their portion. They received just enough to be able to keep going. You go out, you get your manna. It would always be, in, whatever you harvested, whatever you picked up off the ground, it would be enough for you. If you tried, if you got a little insecure about things and you're like, I'm just going to get double today just in case it doesn't show up tomorrow, it would spoil, but it was okay because, because always there was enough that was provided and it taught them a lesson as they walked. Sometimes we think about the exodus as just wasted time. They're wandering. Sometimes we're in times where we just feel like we're wandering. We're wasting time, but God is teaching them, teaching them that he will be their portion. He will be enough for them, and he does that with manna. And now this object lesson uh, got picked up 2,000 years later by, or or much, I shouldn't say 2,000 years later, uh, but but 2,000 years ago uh, by Jesus when he reminds us, he gives this lesson in the New Testament and Jesus told us to pray, saying, give us today our daily bread, bread, right? Nine out of ten toilets have a little book on the back of them. What is it called? Daily bread. Maybe not nine out of one out of ten of you. You know what it is. Uh, It's behind your toilet, and you knew that. But, but that's the thing, it, it, but if you're not familiar with it, it's like a devotion each day. Just as manna was the portion, just as, as God, Jesus talks about the daily bread, it is this lesson of portion, of, of enough being given to God's people. So whether we're talking about portions, manna, or bread, they all direct us towards that same point, that God will be with you today, and he is with you tomorrow. He stands ready to be with you the next day. So anywhere that you are weary in your life, God is offering you his portion. He is offering you his presence, that he will be with you wherever it is that you go. The world can offer you plenty of things, but it cannot offer you the presence of of Christ. And that is what he offers to us. That is how he's enough. Now, here's the second way that Jeremiah encourages us is that it's a thrill of hope to keep going. The song says, a weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Um, Theologian named Dietrich Bonhoeffer said in his book, Life Together, uh, on the threshold of each new day stands the Lord who made it. 
We've said that a few times here. On the threshold of each new day stands the Lord who made it. And I love just the imagery that that kind of conjures up. That as we face the day, and some of us dread tomorrow more than others, right? As we look ahead to that next day, whether we're optimistic or we're pessimistic, whether we have a reason to be or not, as we look ahead to that next day, we see that the one who made it stands ready to walk through it with you. There's another quote, doesn't have a very clear author, and there's variations of it, but it says that we can survive 40 days without food, four days without water, uh, four minutes without air, but less than four seconds without hope. And I believe that there are far too many people, Christians included, who are trying to, to survive with, vi- with a very hope-deprived life day to day. Not that there aren't plenty of alternatives to put your hope, right? There's plenty of options. It's not, that, it's not that we can't put our hope anywhere. It's that we can't always seem to find the right place to put our hope. You can put your hope in money or a person or a government or, in, or an idea. You can put your, your hope in yourself through your own skills and attributes and, and strength. You can put your hope in your health. You can, you can put your hope in the carefully laid plans that you have that will lead you to that predictable outcome and it will get you exactly what you want. But look, you, you don't have to be a Christian You don't have to believe anything here to understand that over and over and over again, we put our hope in things that end up falling through or falling apart. I mean, if you spend enough time with this and think about it, you can think of ways in the past, places that you've put your hope that just didn't pan out. You thought it was going to be what kept you safe. You thought it was going to be what made you all the money. You thought it was going to be what finally made you feel whole, and it wasn't. It wasn't. And, and look, I am not, this is not even, I'm not even making like a Christian claim here, okay? This is just, this is just growing up. This is just being alive. But there is nothing you have today that can't be gone tomorrow. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to say like, this is how life is. There's nothing you have today that can't be gone tomorrow. Now, if you, I, I would bet you my life savings that the sun will rise tomorrow. Yes, there's some, there's some sense of certainty in things. But when it comes down to it, we can all think of things that we have put our hope in that didn't provide what we thought they were going to provide. So because we put things, we put our hopes in things that fail us, the the more often we do that, the more they let us down. And the more they let us down, the more weary we become. And the more weary we become, the more we start to think that there's really nothing. There's nothing that we can put our hope in possibly because everything else has let you down. What is trustworthy enough to put one of the most precious things that you have, your, your hope? Lamentations 3.25, Jeremiah says, the Lord is good to those whose, whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. Just to kind of stack some verses here, let's go to, to uh, Hebrews 10.23, where he says, uh, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Um, I think this is like one of the best adverbs in the whole Bible. I love it. Hold unswervingly, right? When, when I hear unswervingly, I think of driving a car, especially like in the morning, like Sunday mornings driving here. Um, it's dark and, and it, you know, now it's winter and we haven't had to deal with this yet, but like eventually there's going to be ice. And you all know what that, you know, you hit a little bit of black ice. What do you do? <laughs> right white knuckle. But that's basically what he's saying is is that hope you have, you need to white knuckle it. You got to hold unswervingly because even a degree is going to send you off. So hold on unswervingly to the hope that you profess 
And that's what God's telling us in, in, in Hebrews. Hold unswervingly, uh, hold white knuckle. Hope isn't easy. If it were, we would, we would all have it. But we don't. We have to hold on. We sometimes also have to hold on through the night. Some of you, you know what this is like so, so much more tangibly than others, but I think we all kind of go through times of this where, where we feel like we are just deprived of hope. And I don't know about you, but nights are always the worst. Nights are always the worst. You go in, whether it's just this emotional darkness, this spiritual darkness, mental darkness, whatever it might be for you and however it might be for you, I have learned that if I can make it through the night, in the morning things are gonna be brighter. That if I can make it through the night, I'm gonna find that it's gonna be okay. I just have to make, I have to hold unswervingly through the night, or as our carol says, a thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Here's number three. A thrill of hope brings you the help you're seeking. Again, from Lamentations, this time verse 26, it says that it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Whether you're a, whether you're a believer who, who needs to be saved from the weariness of your circumstances or, or you're, you're not a believer and you're trying to figure all this stuff out and what's true and what's not, you need to be saved to receive God's forgiveness. Jesus is the help that you're seeking no matter where you fall on that spectrum. Uh, 2,000 years ago, Jesus said something that still echoes through time and is just as relevant today, maybe even more so than the day he said it. Jesus says to all of us, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus is in the business of rescuing the weary. His mercy compels him to hear you when you cry out in your weariness. When you are weary, Jesus is there. But he's not heaping those expectations upon you. That's what makes people weary. We heap these expectations, heap the guilt, heap the shame. Maybe some of you, you, probably, you might even feel kind of guilty that you even have the weariness, right? You're supposed to be all excited. We sing joy to the world. It's like, well, where's mine? What's wrong with, what's wrong with me? I, I have found at times I'm almost nervous to, to go to God and pray as if he doesn't know what's already going on and like I can shield him. But I'm kind of nervous because it's like, well, I, I, I shouldn't feel this way. I'm a believer, I shouldn't feel this kind of weariness or this, this lack of joy. But Jesus says, look, if you are weary from the pressure and the circumstances in your life, Jesus says, no, 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 stop trying to perform all this. Come to me, weary one. I'm gonna give you rest. For the person who's trying to earn the right standing with God, you're doing what you can, you're, you're trying to just flag God down with any way that you can, trying to do all these good things, volunteer in all these ways, do all this, and, 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 and you're just like, is it enough? Like, have I done enough? At what point does God love me? And what point do, if I don't, like, do I have to maintain it? How does all this work? And, and Jesus is like, no, no, cut that out. No, no, come to me, weary one, and I will give you rest. Some of us, we, we fight things and we feel like we're alone in them. We fight battles that, that Jesus says, look, I, stop that. Just put your weapon down, okay? Come to me, weary one, and I will give you rest. Christmas brings a thrill of hope that the help you're seeking has been born, that, that hope has been born. But that hope remains outside of you until you surrender to the, to the will and the presence of Christ. The help you're seeking, the hope you're seeking has been born, and this is the celebration of Advent and Christmas, and I can't wait to continue with it over the next few weeks. Let's pray together. 
Jesus, you meet us in any possible circumstance. God, when we, when we need you, you are there. When we feel we don't need you, you are there. God, you are always with us, and that is what we celebrate around Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us. And so, Jesus, we pray that within whatever circumstances we are under, whatever it is, or maybe even the many things that are making us weary, I pray, God, that you give us a picture of your holiness, a picture of your, your power and your goodness, your love, your grace. Cast all those things upon us to know that we can come to you. God, thank you for the greatest gift that's ever been given, the gift of your son's life in exchange for ours so that we can celebrate in that new life with you. And God, as we prepare to come to the table today as well, I, I pray that, that you give us, just as, as you gave the Israelites what they needed each day, as you give, gave the disciples their, their portion and their daily bread each day, God, that this would be a way that we, that we kind of live into that story and we remember that we can trust in you and put our hope in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you again for making Rosewood a part of your day. Now go in peace to love and serve the Lord.